0: Beat 102-103. It's not a cold, it's long COVID.
1: It's like a roller coaster. I would have a new symptom nearly every week. I'm now like nearly seven months after having COVID and I feel like I'm a disabled person.
2: People seriously believe this is like the flu and it's nothing like that whatsoever.
3: In part one of It's Not a Cold, It's Long COVID... We examined the condition known as Long Covid and how the illness is affecting so many adults and children for months on end. We learned that lack of understanding and poor responses from the medical community, employers, as well as us ourselves, is making the situation worse. But it's time for less talk and more action. I'm Michelle Heffernan with Beat 102 103 and I want to find out how we can get help for Long Covid.
0: It's quite difficult. It's a completely new entity. Uh, the, the science behind it is, is really poorly understood. It's, it's not something that we have a evidence-based proven treatment for.
3: Because long COVID is a new illness with an unknown cause, treating the condition has been very slow and very difficult. Dr Eamon Fowler is using a multidisciplinary approach to treat his patients, i.e. working with other healthcare professionals to help patients recover
0: physiotherapy is useful in those settings so that's something that we've been doing and that we've been looking into as well.
3: Physiotherapy has proven to be very effective in helping some persons with long Covid to return to activity but it needs a very specialised and cautious approach. I spoke to Robin McNeils, clinical specialist physiotherapist in cardiac and respiratory health. Robin himself is in recovery from long Covid and I asked him how a physio approaches treating it.
1: So I think one of the main things is a physiotherapy assessment um, and a very thorough assessment, particularly clinical history taking, to see exactly what symptoms a patient has had and um, to see really what investigations they have had, because unless they've been thoroughly investigated, we're probably not going to make much of a difference. So for instance, if somebody um, has got breathlessness, but they've never had that investigated, well, If they've got inflammation on their lungs and they're needing steroids, we can do as much physio as we want. We're probably not going to make them better. So, making sure that somebody's been thoroughly investigated is the first thing. There's a few different presentations of long COVID, it's not, it's an umbrella term really, it's not one um, condition as it were. And so you really need to pick out from the clinical history what presentation this person is following. Um, and then devise an individual treatment plan from there. And there's various different branches of physiotherapy and it's very much a holistic approach we need to take with this. Not like if you've got a bad back and you go and see the physio and they give you some hands-on treatment and some, uh, some exercises to do and some postural advice. This is very different. It's looking at the person as a whole. And it may be that there's different branches of physiotherapy involved. Some of my patients have been seen me by me as a cardiorespiratory physio. have been seen by the vestibular physios that deal with balance problems. I've um, also been seen by the musculoskeletal physios because they've got pain problems. Uh, and then there's also other, our other colleagues, the occupational therapists and speech therapists and neuropsychologists that have been working with us as well because of the, the wide presentation that lots of patients are giving.
3: In part one of It's Not a Cold, It's Long COVID, we heard how Emer and Linda were wiped out after attempting simple short walks. And these are women who could run marathons or cycle for miles beforehand. I wanted to ask Robin, why is light exercise setting patients back?
1: Um, what we've been seeing a lot is people having very much a boom and bust picture. So they'll be feeling a little bit better. They'll go back to some of their and normal activities maybe a bit more gingerly uh, i had a patient who was um, a very keen cyclist so instead of going out and cycling for six hours at a really high level he did 20 minutes at a really low level on the turbo trainer he could barely function for two weeks and just the basic things were really difficult for him in that period and i think that there's one of the things that we talk about is a sustainable baseline so what whatever level people are at they need to try to stop that boom and bust. They need to work out what activity levels they can actually do well with. So this sustainable baseline that we talk about, it's really about optimizing sleep, hydration, nutrition, um, and your activities of daily living, as you've talked about. So there's lots of patients who are really keen to get back to exercise. And when they're going out and they're walking, they're doing fine with their walking, But then they're going to get absolutely wiped out because they get home in the shower so it's really about trying to get people to be able to function properly and to focus on that before they focus on return to exercise and that's really challenging because most of the patients i see are very driven individuals and they want to be proactive they want to be doing things they want to be making things happen to make them better And the more you push, the worse it gets sometimes.
3: Long COVID patients have to get used to a whole new way of living and make sure they don't crash, as Robin described. One approach he highlighted to help with this is occupational therapy and working with a professional to manage your daily output. I asked occupational therapist Nicola Spendlove how she would approach helping patients with long COVID.
4: So I suppose long COVID, it isn't something that we learned about in college it's a brand new condition in a lot of senses so that can be certainly intimidating but I think for occupational therapists in a way we have an advantage because we've always been trained to look at people rather than conditions so if somebody came to me um, in my private practice who was living with long COVID what I would want to do is I would want to know all about what their life was like prior to this condition what were their values what was their lifestyle like and then I would want to know how long covid had affected this so what barriers has it put up are they experiencing severe breathlessness anxiety um, severe fatigue and how is that impacting them how has that changed their lifestyle and then i would want to know about what their goals are do they want to get back to their baseline or have they had occasion to completely reflect on their previous lifestyle and maybe that they, they have a different idea for how they want to live and based on that we would set functional goals and we would work together towards achieving those.
3: One symptom mentioned by almost every long COVID patient is chronic fatigue and it can be exhausting for a person to have to explain their chronic fatigue to others. I asked Nicola how she would help a patient with this.
4: There are a few different ways to explain chronic fatigue. I also explain it to clients like a budget. So let's say before you have chronic fatigue, you have a budget that seems unlimited, a budget that you don't have to sit down and reflect on, okay, how am I going to spend every month? But then when chronic fatigue sets in, let's say your budget has just been slashed. You're now working on a much lower budget and as anybody who lives on a low budget knows, you have to be very, very careful about where the money goes and you have to be very, very careful that you're spending it on the important things first. You're not spending it on luxuries and then you don't have money to spend on important things. So the same with energy. When we have chronic fatigue, we have to look at budgeting our energy and we call that energy conservation as occupational therapists. So we would work with a person and we would look at, okay, what are the important things that you want to spend your energy on? This can be very, very hard, especially for our younger clients. When you think about people in their 20s who have never had to think about energy conservation, who bounce back after three-day festivals, like that is so hard to adjust to suddenly having to do this energy conservation piece and having their budget completely slashed, especially when they're seeing their peers who are still running around and don't understand it. Um, so that can be where we would work very closely with our colleagues in, say, CBT or psychotherapy, and um, because there's a huge acceptance piece that has to come first before the younger people can then move on to their energy conservation and their task adaptations.
3: Learning to live as a different person because of long COVID is incredibly challenging. Suddenly, everything you do Your whole identity and purpose as a person has changed. In order to help people adapt to living with a long-term illness, the HSE is now offering a programme to help people manage a condition like Long Covid. The Living Well programme is currently being rolled out in the south-east and I spoke to Living Well coordinator Katrina Renwick about this programme and what it offers a person dealing with long Covid. So the
2: Living Well programme is um, a self-management programme for anybody that's living with a long-term health condition. And what we would class as a long-term health condition is a condition that lasts six months or longer. So anybody that's still suffering with COVID symptoms after six months of of having COVID can take part in the Living Well program. And the program will go through the tools needed to, to manage that condition at home. So we go through the likes of setting goals to make changes in your life, make plans to achieve these goals, solve problems manage the medications and cope with difficult emotions, low moods and feelings of depression that come with any uh, diagnosis of a long-term health condition and living with that uh, condition. Then we also go through communication with your friends and your family and your healthcare team um, so you have a better outcome when you go to your healthcare appointments but also that your family and
3: friends can understand better what you're going through. And you can read more about the Living Well programme at hse.ie forward slash living well. Coming up in part two of this documentary, I'll be looking at methods to cope with the mental health issues presented by Long Covid. I'll find out about financial supports for patients and speak to a leading researcher in Long Covid to learn about the progress in finding a cure.
0: Beat 102-103. It's not a cold, it's Long Covid.
2: So yeah, the mood is quite low and, and just noticing the, the anxiety. Again, you don't know what's, what's happening. You don't know how long this is going to be, particularly when you're kind of like, I can't think.
3: In part one, we heard that long COVID is not just physically injurious, it's severely impacting a patient's mental health too. Emer found that her low mood and anxiety compounded her physical suffering. But one thing that really benefited her recovery was mindfulness.
2: So one of the the biggest things for me was kind of moving from the mindset of fighting long Covid to accommodating long Covid. When I started to introduce mindfulness, it would be something that would give me a bit of energy. So actually, you know, in being able to have that restful, uh, using like meditation that way, then it meant I could do a little bit more of my day.
3: Bernadette Mulcahy is a mindfulness practitioner with the Mindfulness Teachers Association of Ireland. I asked her how mindfulness can help a person dealing with long COVID. There's a lot of aspects of COVID we need to look at first and
5: foremost. There's a great amount of the unknown that's here with COVID. There's an awful lot of things we know about it, but there are, there's a wealth of things we do not know about it. So without any shadow of a doubt, anybody who's suffering the long symptoms of COVID, they certainly have fear of the unknown. So they actually don't know where this is actually going to lead to. So there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. People will have an awful lot of impatience with themselves, lack of tolerance with themselves. A lot of that type of negativity will come out. Along with that, they will have an awful lot of memory. Uh, particularly if they've been very ill with it, if they've been hospitalised for a very long period of time with it. Those terrible fears and memories are not going to go away so quickly. Then the mind can swing into the future and they're terribly worried about the future. Am I ever going to recover? Am I ever going to be well again? So the mind tends to flip from the past to the future and really what the patient is trying to do is deal with the present right now. And dealing with the present is not always so bad. Yes, there might be some element of breathlessness here. There might be some element of pain here, some element of tiredness here. But the moment, all we can cope with is what is here right now. And certainly the thought process, if, if, if we can control the thought process, it goes a long way to controlling the, the difficulty of the symptoms. And it can bring a sense of calmness. It can bring a sense of reassurance. It can bring that that resilience. So certainly mindfulness steadies the mind and calms the mind
3: in the present moment. And you can find more information and resources about mindfulness at mtai.ie. Now, while mindfulness is great to cope with difficult feelings and thoughts, it won't pay the bills. One of the issues raised by Claire Toomey last week was harassment from employers and patients with long COVID being forced out of work. It's very important that a person with long COVID can retain a good relationship with their employer. So I asked Caroline McHenry from the HR suite about financial supports for a person out of work with long COVID. So I suppose it's the same as any
2: person who is currently out on long-term sick there is additional support for the first number of weeks for somebody who has probably what's known as short COVID because the long COVID is really, you know, prolonged as we're beginning to learn. So I suppose a few things, Michelle. One is that um, there are some supports uh, through social welfare for anybody who is absent from work. And second of all, their job is protected while they're out. And that's really important because for a lot of people, the worry of will my job be kept open, etc. So if you're absent, you have a sick cert, unless it's a fixed term contract job that was for a specific purpose, that the purpose of it no longer is there. So for example, if you were covering a maternity leave and now the person comes back, otherwise, if you have a job, at least you know your job has been held open for you because I think that's causing a lot of stress and anxiety for people to go, oh my God, you know, will my job be there because I'm out?
3: So I wanted to ask about the communication that you need to have with your employer to make sure that um, you can avail of those benefits and that the job is secure, as you said. Is it a case that they need to submit medical certificates on a regular basis?
2: Yeah, you're spot on, Michelle. If somebody's out sick in any instance, they need to submit cert. But on top of that, I would really encourage the employee to engage with their employer as I would encourage the employer to engage with their employee because fundamental to the employment relationship is that communication piece. And when it gets to be a case that you haven't talked to each other or communicated to each other for a long period of time, you're starting to have one of the parties worried about the other. So, for example, the employee is worried, is my job secure? The employer is worried the employee is not coming back. So I suppose for me, the best scenario is that both parties stay communicating with each other right throughout the process and the employee submits certs. And I suppose there's also uh, a number of people, Michelle, that are able to come back part-time but not able to come back full-time. So for example, they might be able to do every second day or can't do five days. So they might do two days or three days, depending on how they are in terms of the he- their health. Remember, there's an obligation on your employer to consider reasonable accommodation if you have a disability. And this would very much be in that category, considering the fact that your job is potentially going to help with your mental health in terms of returning, um, but you mightn't be actually physically able to do five days.
3: Support from physiotherapists, mental health professionals, OTs and employers is all wonderful, but many patients are frustrated that there is still no known treatment for long COVID. For that reason, I spoke to Dr. Jack Lambert, consultant in infectious diseases at the Matter Hospital and current researcher on long COVID. Dr. Lambert has been monitoring patients with COVID-19 since March 2020, and I asked him about his research so far.
6: So so I work for the Matter Hospital, and we have a, a long COVID clinic that's held on Friday afternoon, and we're now seeing patients who are were infected from March 2020 with long COVID. So they're now 14 months down the way. Initially, we, we, we had a grant from the HRB just to follow up patients looking at, you know, psychiatric, uh, neuropsychiatric manifestations, mood, you know, quality of life changes. And that study's ongoing. I, I guess the good news is, is that the, the, the people who are now one year into that Uh, follow-up study and most people are improving most people are improving but there's a small number of people who even a year later are still unwell and and most initially we thought that they'd have problems with heart and lungs but the reality is is most of the problems they're having is brain so that so about a third of patients have continued you know neurocognitive problems uh, exhaustion fatigue um, headaches lots of what i what i call kind of a inflammatory process going on in their brain and and you know we've been monitoring these people um but recently we've decided we can't just keep monitoring them we have to start doing some interventions so i've actually used my experience from another condition uh patients with chronic lyme disease some people get lyme disease and even after treatment uh, they're still unwell with very similar symptoms to people with long long COVID. so i've been putting people on just a series of supplements um that we you know we we've used before uh with patients with with uh chronic lyme disease because lyme disease is not just an infectious disease it's an autoimmune inflammatory disease and we're finding that long COVID is also, it's a post-infectious kind of autoimmune inflammatory condition. And like I said, most of the inflammation's in the brain. So we're beginning to just do some pilot studies, looking at kind of natural anti-inflammatories, turmeric with black pepper, Uh, there's another product called N-acetylcysteine, which is used um, for patients with chronic fatigue syndrome, the studies have been done. So, so it's early days, like I said, because covid is a new infection long covid is a new condition that we've never seen before but rather than just monitoring and monitoring and monitoring we're beginning to just look at some pilot studies of trying to do things to repair the immune system doing natural things to help with the inflammation and 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 doing questionnaires on people before and after initiating you know these treatments to see if there's changes over time so so that's as far as we've got in terms of the Uh, you know, the the work we've done so far. Our clinic now, like I said, is starting to do some, just some, you know, early pilot studies uh, with some natural anti-inflammatories, some natural immune boosters, and, and just assessing whether these are speeding up the recovery of these patients.
3: And Dr. Lambert's HRB study will conclude in November, hoping to provide more answers about long COVID. Coming up in the final part of It's Not a Cold, It's a Long COVID, I'll be pushing for answers and searching for the truth. I'll hear again from Claire Toomey of COVID Cases Ireland about the lack of services for long COVID patients. And in an exclusive interview with Beat102-103, public health expert Dr. Gabriel Scally will tell me plainly why long COVID is a problem for all of us and cannot be ignored.
0: Beat 102-103. It's not a cold. It's long COVID.
7: Us going to the government and going to the HSC and saying, please, can you listen to us? And them saying, no, 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 go to your GP's. You'll be fine in a few weeks. We're like, no, (laughs) like, it isn't just Ireland. Like, this is the UK. This is Europe. This is States. Like, this is everywhere. And I guess they became quite frustrating then when we were watching other parts of the world moving forward with long COVID.
3: Throughout this documentary, I have been met with different reactions to long COVID. Doctors and researchers are reluctant to draw conclusions about the illness, and rightly so, but people are drowning and they need help. The UK and USA have invested in clinics specifically designed to treat long COVID. So why is Ireland still not taking this problem seriously? Claire Toomey and her group, COVID Cases Ireland, have met with the HSE and asked them to please begin to
7: give this issue a proper response. So in that report that you saw, Michelle, I think we had like seven different asks. And a few months ago, we met with, with the HSC and we brought that right down to three. And the top, the top three asks that we asked for were guidance rolled out to GPs. OK, so the GPs could go, OK, this is a thing and now we need to hold space for these people and we need to continue to explore and treat symptoms as they arise. The second thing we asked for um, was multidisciplinary clinics. OK, so the most people in the group, Michelle, are doing an awful lot of work to get better. So they're attending physios, coaches, counsellors, nutritionists, occupational therapists, and some of them are sitting on like 18 months waiting lists. And it's also really expensive. But if there was a unit, if there was a space where someone could come in and all areas of their their health could be addressed, that would massively reduce costs, waiting lists, and help with with the recovery process.
3: As we heard, Dr. Jack Lambert from the Matter Hospital has been on the front line for over a year now treating COVID patients. And he agrees with Claire Toomey. It's not enough to wait for more studies and more research on long COVID. Patients need long COVID clinics now.
6: The issue is right now, we don't know what to do with these patients. We don't have comprehensive clinics established throughout the country for long COVID. Patients all over the country who have long COVID in the present time, they don't have a place to go to follow up. Now, the results of our studies will hopefully give some information on what interventions can be done at these centres, so so I don't think we need to wait till November to, to set up for the HSE to set up the centres. I think the HSE needs to be starting putting together a plan. The NHS and the UK have 60 plus centres set up. In Ireland, it's been left to the investigators, to the consultants and the hospitals. I think it has to be set up um, in a comprehensive way with leadership from the HSE and support, guidance and funding.
3: In making this two-part documentary series, I have met with people who have been robbed. Robbed overnight of their health, left with months of physical and mental pain, and worse, made to feel that it's all their own fault. We are now beginning to move out of strict lockdown and reopen the country. And I know we all want to forget about COVID and case numbers and ICU beds, and forget this ever happened. But long COVID isn't going away and we cannot leave these people behind. In a special interview with Beat102 103, public health expert Dr Gabriel Scally outlined to me exactly how serious this problem is and why it cannot be ignored.
0: I think the problem of long COVID really, really needs uh, a lot of attention and we do need to take it seriously. We can't afford in all sorts of Ways of the uh, meanings of the word "afford." We can't afford to have large numbers of people disabled in this way for a, a substantial period of time. It's terrible for individuals. It places a burden on them, on their families, on on their workplaces, on on, on their being, on their their health and their mental health in particular. And uh, it also places a strain on the economy and it places a strain on the health service. For all of these reasons, we really need to take it seriously.
3: I asked Dr Scally to clarify, does the HSE need to act now on long COVID?
0: The, the question of the provision of services for people with long COVID is extraordinarily important. The HSE really need to take it seriously and uh, set up a task force to help introduce those services, uh, to link them across the country, to share learning and experience and to engage in research.
3: Lastly, I asked Dr Scally to explain While long COVID is not just a problem for patients, it's really a problem for us all.
0: There are so many people who develop long COVID and it affects them in all sorts of different ways. But one of the key characteristics is that they're unable to function properly, really, in any of their roles. Whether that role be as uh, a worker in in business or uh, as a student or as a carer or... Um, as, as a family member or, or, or whatever roles, it, it, it is a disablement. It stops them um, playing their, their full normal life, and that it means that the burden increases on others. Just at a time when we're trying so hard to get uh, to get back on our feet and, and make up for some of the things that have happened and, and restrictions that have happened and the, and the uh, economic damage that's being done by COVID-19. Uh, we're left with this really serious problem that affects our society. And it's like an extra burden on our society and we've got to do everything we possibly can to try and relieve that burden, both for the sake of the individuals and their families, uh, uh, but also for us as a whole society, we need to take long COVID very seriously and we need to be reacting to it with effective integrated treatment programmes.
3: We need to listen We need to learn and we need to act. It's as simple as that. Things are getting better, but we cannot afford to leave those with long COVID behind. It's been a horrendous year for everyone and we do all deserve a break, but let's make sure that everyone gets one. Let's get vaccinated, let's stay cautious, let's raise awareness, let's talk to people, listen to them, put pressure on our TDs and politicians and push for better outcomes for all. Because health, as you know, is everything. And this is not a cold. It's long COVID.
0: Beat 102-103. It's
6: not a cold. It's long COVID.